welcome to a special edition of the Bioethics Podcast. I'm Matthew Epinet, Director of Research and Analysis at the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. In this edition of the Bioethics Podcast, Adriana Wright, publicist for a new book entitled Fighting for David, discusses the book and its relevance for bioethics. Why do I call this a special edition of the Bioethics Podcast? Well, from time to time, we plan to present podcasts that are interview-based rather than article-based. And this episode of the Bioethics Podcast is the first in that occasional series. Other topics currently in the works for these special edition podcasts are the doctor-patient relationship, future questions in bioethics, and neuroethics. Adriana Wright. Fighting for David tells the remarkable story of one mother's relentless hope and her son's second chance at life. Uh, Fighting for David is the story of David McRae, who in 1989 was a junior in college in Yakima, Washington, when he got in a very serious motorcycle crash uh, and was thrown roughly 30 feet from his bike and suffered severe brain damage, uh, so severe, in fact, that doctors diagnosed him to be in a persistent vegetative state, which is uh, the same medical diagnosis that Terry Schiavo initially received. Uh, however, David's mother, Leon Nunley, decided not to pull the plug. She was given that choice early on. Um, but she believed that if there was any chance of hope or any chance of survival for David, that uh, she would do, she would fight to do whatever she needed to do. So uh, <clears throat> she and her family embarked on a long journey of recovery. Uh, after some initial uh, close calls health-wise, David uh, began to show very, very slight signs of improvement. And uh, so after overcoming the first challenge of keeping David alive, uh, the next challenge, and whether or not to keep him on the ventilator, which they ultimately, he was able to be taken off the ventilator, uh, the second challenge that they faced was the fact that David's insurance company claimed that David was not on the insurance policy, and so they had to deal with all the financial burdens uh, that that brought about. Um, then the third challenge was uh, what therapy should David pursue, um, or should David's family pursue for David. Uh, a doctor gave them this sort of chilling assessment. She advised the Nunley family to not spend another dollar on David, That uh, to do anything more than simply putting him in a sort of nursing home facility would be really stupid and ridiculous and tear their family apart. So, um, needless to say, Leon did not take that doctor's advice. She got a second opinion and was able to get David transferred to a state-of-the-art reha- rehabilitation uh, facility where David was uh, cared for and worked with for several, several months. Uh, ultimately, the family decided to bring David home, where they set up a budget rehab facility in their garage. And uh, so then the intense full-time work of David's daily therapy began, uh, but not without the help of their community, because Leon uh, had learned of a specific therapy called patterning, which required the help of several other people. Uh, David was basically on the table, and there would be a person at each one of his uh, arms and legs, and then Leon holding his head, and with all of these people together, they would help David 
to simulate crawling. So the purpose of the patterning was to retrain David's brain uh, to learn how to move again because doctors had predicted he would never be able to uh, get out of his wheelchair. Uh, so, uh, this was a full-time job for Leon, and also she had a regular team of 40-some volunteers that would come on a rotating basis, and soon David learned how to crawl on his own, then how to pull himself up like a baby does, um, and then ultimately he began to do some therapy, uh, in the swimming pool and learned how to walk again, um, remarkably, uh, going against any sort of doctor's expectations, exceeding it far beyond. Uh, and then he now, today, can use a walker. And so he's mobile. And another uh, amazing bit of progress that David made that was also not predicted by the doctors was the ability to communicate again verbally. Um, David now has a small vocabulary and clearly understands the questions that he's asked and uh, responds appropriately. So his communication is back to a degree and uh, he's also able to care for himself and in fact lives on his own near his family uh, with a caregiver. So David's story really illustrates uh, the fact that a persistent vegetative state uh, does not necessarily mean a permanent vegetative state. And the book is also a powerful, David's story in the book is also a powerful illustration of the value of human life, uh, no matter how imperfect. Um, I think this book is important uh, for a number of reasons. it's, a, it's an important case study on the neuroplasticity of the brain, namely that uh, brain, severely brain-damaged patients are able to recover uh, a tremendous amount if uh, there's sufficient therapy early on. Um, this book uh, is a very uh, countercultural story um, in contrast to the rest of uh, a lot of societal values which would claim that one needs to be fit, successful, and beautiful to have worth. Uh, David is a striking example of, again, the value of human life and um, also just reveals the basic human dignity that we have being created in the image of God. Um, yet fighting for David is not idealistic. Instead, I would say it's realistic in that it really is an account of the challenges and sacrifices that uh, accompany difficult bioethical issues. David's family sacrificed many, many hours and a lot of financial resources and really poured themselves into David's recovery. So uh, the the book does not shy away from those details. Uh, This is also an encouraging model of how the church can come together and support and walk alongside and share the burdens of a family struggling with a bioethical issue. Um, this was the, the Nunley family was an ordinary family in a small town in Washington state, and they didn't ask for this. Um, but when it happened, the church and uh, the pastor of their home church really came to the forefront and uh, was a vital part of David's recovery. Um, not only did the church community have a great impact on David and his family, but uh, it's clear also that uh, the volunteers were greatly affected by their work with David. Uh, I think this book is an excellent starting point uh, t- for uh, important end-of-life discussions. 
these are the kinds of discussions that we most often shy away from that are uncomfortable. But yet, as David's case illustrates, and as Terry Shivo's tragically illustrates, these are very important discussions that need to happen uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, families could read this book or churches could read this book uh, together and ask such questions as what would you want if you were in David's situation? Would you want to be kept on a, on a ventilator? Would you want a feeding tube? Uh, in essence, what is your living will? Uh, and they could, they could talk about these things. Uh, also, what is the ethics of withdrawing feeding tubes? Um, in the, uh, forward to fighting for David, uh, David Fletcher, who teaches bioethics and philosophy at Wheaton College, uh, asks some of these questions. Is it, what is, where does the Christian medical and ethical community stand on this issue? Is artificial feeding and hydration, is that basic care? Um, according to Matthew, where Jesus instructs us to take care of the thirsty and the hungry, or is this some sort of heroic measure that is not necessarily ethically wrong to not pursue. Um, another great question that this book raises is what is the definition of personhood or asked another way, what is the value of human life? Uh, in the afterward to Fighting for David, Dr. Hassert uh, asserts that uh, he, he actually uses the definition that Pope John Paul II suggested as far as a person is defined by their ability to love and be loved. And in that case, David is most certainly a person. Um, the great thing about this book as well is that uh, if churches did decide that this was something they'd like to discuss in small groups, uh, they have a free discussion guide available on christianbookguides.com. And they can download this study guide free of charge and have it all right there. Uh, the proceeds from Fighting for David will be dedicated in memory of Terry Shivo to the Portland Rescue Mission, which is run by David's older brother. Uh, the Portland Rescue Mission is a women's shelter that uh, provides home and necessary life skills for women to give them new hope and a future. Adriana briefly mentioned the foreword and afterward of Fighting for David. The foreword was written by David Fletcher, Associate Professor of Philosophy at Wheaton College and Fellow of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. The afterword by Derek Hassert, Assistant Professor of Psychology at Trinity Christian College, originally appeared as an article on the website of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. We also have a piece of audio recorded via phone of Leo Nunley, the author of the book, and David's mother, describing Fighting for David. David was every parent's dream, but after a motorcycle crash in 1989, he was also declared to be in a persistent vegetative state. We brought David home from the hospital and worked full-time to stimulate his damaged brain. Forty friends from church volunteered to pattern David, which is a unique crawling therapy. With God's help, David has far exceeded the doctor's expectations. David still receives rigorous daily therapy, uses a walker, talks, and lives in his own home with a caregiver. Fighting for David shows that faith and persistence can be more powerful than a doctor's diagnosis. A life doesn't have to be perfect to be valuable. Indeed. 
A life does not have to be perfect to be valuable. This special edition of the Bioethics Podcast featured Adriana Wright discussing a new book available from Tyndale House Publishers entitled Fighting for David. Fighting for David is available from online retailers like Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and Books A Million. The Bioethics Podcast is a project of Bioethics.com and the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. The center exists to help individuals and organizations address the pressing bioethical challenges of our day. Our website, cbhd.org, has a wealth of materials on bioethical issues. For more information about the center and to support the work of the center and projects like this podcast, please visit our website, cbhd.org. And please visit bioethics.com for the latest bioethics-related news and comment. My name is Matthew Epinet. I am the Director of Research and Analysis at the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. I'd like to hear your thoughts about the Bioethics Podcast. My email address is matthew at cbhd.org. Thank you for listening to the Bioethics Podcast. <laughs>